Little girl, don't rile me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Texas Pete, you just you just don't even need to be on here. Because this is going to be my show. And I have a special song. Texas Pete, you right. need to get off my show. All right. Well, I'm... Horse feathers. Forget about it. I don't want to be on the show if you're on it. Uh, Troy, this is your show, ain't it? Well, well, it's okay anyway because I gotta go because my um dog needs me to go whisper yeah, in his ear because he's time to go to bed. Hey everybody, this is Troy Mangum. Welcome to the Kindling Fire. Did you know your life is a message that God is wanting to communicate to the world? Every episode, I get to interview friends of mine, people that I think are awesome, whose life is communicating a message that needs to get out to the world. Thank you for joining. I'm so excited to have uh, you, Kurt and Serena. You guys have been friends of Kathy and I's for a super long time. And and we, uh, a long time ago, got to do something with um, a mutual friend of ours that had a kid's rock band. And so just to explain what just happened is my wife is was a kindergarten character who didn't take her ADD medicine, and her name was Sally. <laughs> <laughs> Silly Sally. And no, and Sally. Uh, and Kurt was the guitar player in the band, and you had a couple characters, but the character that just showed up was who? That was Texas Pete. And you were also awesome. off that little bottle. It wasn't very original, but it's the best I could do at the time. So. And um, you've got your uh, wonderful wife. Hello, Serena. And uh, we had those are fun times. So, um, but we uh, we've known you guys long enough to where you have an amazing story about an adoption um, of your uh, daughter, Sadie Grace. And I wanted to have you on the show because. It's just such an amazing, inspiring story of God caring about um, your daughter, and uh, and taking you guys through that journey of adoption. So, so that's that's kind of my intro, and I'm glad you're on the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here, man. It's a big honor to be interviewed like this. Yeah. So. With you guys. Yeah. So you. <laughs> it's our pleasure. <laughs> It's Bang. our honor. <laughs> so well, I don't. So I think where I want to start is when did the idea of adoption start for you guys as a couple? I mean, when did that? Where did where did that come from? Can you answer that one? Sure. <laughs> yeah, I always tell people it started from the very beginning. Once we got married, in fact, I remember um, sitting in the car with Serena. We'd only been married for about a year or so, and neither one of us really had a desire to have kids. You know, as far as we knew, we had kids, you know, biologically and whatnot, but we just didn't have a desire to, to, to have kids. So we would always pray. And we'd pray maybe a couple times a year, and we'd say, Lord, if you want us to have kids, you know, just put it on both of our hearts. So we're not, you know, bumping heads, you know, like what, you know, as long as you have, you know, at the time that was what we were kind of, that was a concern of mine is that like one person would want kids and, 
the other person wouldn't at some point. Yeah. So we would we pray a couple times a year. Lord, just put it on both of our hearts at the same time, um, and just make it abundantly clear if you want us to have kids or a child or whatever. Um, put that desire in our heart at the same time. That was that was the key. The same time, you know. And we'll get back to that because that, was, that ended up becoming a part of our story pretty dramatically when he huh. called adopt. So, but adoption never really was a conversation other than uh, Kurt had a few kids and when he taught school that were Asian in his class. And just on an off comment, he said, "You know, he goes, we never talked about adoption. If we ever did, I would love to have a, an Asian child." But that was really the extent of it. We we. Neither one of us were really focused in on having children because we just didn't have the desire. So it really wasn't a conversation. But um, you kind of fast forward a bit. We um, we moved to Arizona and um, we're about uh, married about nine years. And uh, a friend, a mutual friend of ours, came out and uh, was visiting. And we were just all kind of talking, and she said, so have you guys thought about children still, and is the answer still, you don't want children at this point? And I said, no, and and um, at that moment, she didn't let us know, but um, the Lord immediately gave her a vision of our daughter and um, and said to her, this is a the baby girl, they're going, Kurt and Serena are going to adopt from China, but you cannot say anything to them, but pray that they will be willing to adopt. Wow. So she didn't say anything. She carried that um, with her uh, for almost a year. And I always had a strong desire to work in adoption as a social worker, even though I never understood why, because I I haven't been touched by adoption personally in my life. Um, But I always wanted to do home studies for adoption. And so I connected with an agency to do home studies, and they were having an information meeting. And um, I asked her, I said, would you come with me? Now, we have to be real sensitive. There's people here who want to adopt. I'm here to check out a company kind of thing. <laughs> and so I was on the phone with that friend, Tammy, and um, saying, we were talking. I said, oh, we got to go. We're going to this meeting. I said, we're not wanting to adopt or anything. We're just, it's information because I might want to work for this company. And she knew You then, were networking. <laughs> yeah. And she knew then the Lord prompted her again and she knew that that's was going to be this was going to be a start of that process and she didn't say anything um do you want to tell what happened at the meeting yeah so so at the meeting uh here we are and they're watching they're showing this big adoption video and all this kind of stuff and uh, you know these tear-jerking things you know showing all these parents <laughs> being you know, united with their with their adopted kids and all that and um you know, it was funny because about three weeks before we went to the meeting, I was praying and I was praying for Serena that she'd actually be able to get you know a position with these people. And I I felt very strongly like the Lord was telling me this isn't so much about Serena getting a job, as it is about you guys actually adopting yourselves. And that thought pops into my head right, and I'm like thinking like oh gosh. Okay, well, is that Lord or is that just me or whatever? I don't know. Who knows? So, we're here. We are at this meeting, and um, we're watching this video, and you know, and here we are trying to be respectful of all these people who are like, you know, crying and you know, uh, just you know, falling in love with the idea and the concept of, of adoption and all this kind of stuff. And I noticed myself getting really, really like emotional, 
and um, I just get just wrecked. I, I am like absolutely, oh my gosh, like we are supposed to do this. But I didn't know how Serena felt about it. I remember we go back to that prayer we, we'd always pray, you Lord, put it on both of our hearts at the same time so we're not, you know, bumping heads. Yeah. I'm thinking, oh gosh, what if she has no desire for kids still, but now I'm the one who wants to adopt. I can't believe this. And I was absolutely, so I started turning my body away from her. I didn't want her to see that I was like welling up with tears in my eyes. So I'm like kind of getting further and further away from her um, in the seat. And at the end of the meeting, uh, I tell Serena, I said, I got to use the bathroom. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I get up and I'm out of there like a, like a bolt of lightning. <laughs> and I, uh, not, not because I had to use the bathroom. I mean, so I went outside. You know what? We're friends if you had to. That's okay. <laughs> it's Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. I'll, I'll let you know if that comes up again at some point. <laughs> I, I said, yeah, so I mean, like. I'm like outside and I'm, I'm just like crying like, oh my gosh, like this is, this is what we're supposed to do. Um, and I'm like, well, Lord, you need to, you need to honor this prayer that we prayed. I need you to, you know, you know, confirm that with Serena. I need to know that Serena wants to do this too or that you're speaking to her too. And that was basically it. So I come back into the room. Well, let me tell you what happened. Yeah, so you tell during that meeting, yeah. I don't get emotional about cute kids and all that kind of stuff. I was watching, I never, that's, He'll he'll get more emotional on that end, and I and I'm I'm looking at numbers, how much it costs for each country, because I'm like I'm dialing in because if I'm going to work with people, I need to know this information. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, my heart feels like it is being excavated, like heart surgery, and I'm like, what the heck is going on? And I felt emotional, I'm like, what is going on? And I just felt like I'm a mess, and so I was just emotionally a mess, and I couldn't figure out why. So I turned my back from him because I'm thinking, he's going to think I want a baby. I don't want a baby. What is going on? <laughs> and um, so I'm turning my back from him. He's turned his back from me. None of us were looking at each other at all. And um, all of a sudden, there's been two times in my life when this has happened. And this is the second time where I heard the audible voice of God. And I heard very clearly, like someone in the room, like it made me look around in the room like someone was talking to me in my ear. It was, I want you to adopt a baby girl from China. Whoa. And I literally laughed out loud like Sarah mm-hmm. and said, yeah, right. You know, where's the $23,000, which eventually turned into $31,000. Where's the $23,000? And I don't even want a baby, let alone China. I mean, China was not even on my radar. Mm-hmm. Um uh, if I was going to choose, it would have been Ukrainian because that's I'd done mission work in Ukraine. So then I knew that this was not me, obviously. <laughs> and so I called I called a bluff. I said, "So fine, if you want us to do that, you need to you need to tell Kurt." And I was all smug on that because there's no way Kurt's going to want a baby. And so uh, <laughs> I I, pulled, I couldn't pull myself together either. And when he said he had to leave, I was like, "Go." And so um, we get into the car to drive away, and it was literally like none of us looking at each other in um, silence. Yeah. He's like, (laughs) so what do you think about it? That meeting, I said, love the company, could really work for them. I'm just like avoiding at all costs. And he eventually just turned around and looked at me with tears in his eyes, and he said, we're supposed to adopt a baby girl from China. Oh, snap. That was it. And then I was angry, actually, because... 
I liked our quiet life, <laughs> and I knew that it would be, um, you know, where's the money going to come from? This is going to change everything. I wasn't, I didn't necessarily want to be a parent, um, and I was like, this is crazy. And so we were both a wreck. We <laughs> went to get something to eat, and we just cried our way all the way through it. And But within an hour or two, we were trying to reorganize our lives and how this was going to work. And we, we just knew that God was doing it. So we came home. We completed the application then out of faith. We paid $150 and had that set. Well, we're getting ready to do it. And so we decided to call three friends of ours to pray for us because we knew that this was big. Yeah. The first person that we called, they started laughing and they said, Today we saw an adoption commercial on the TV and we thought of you and we know you don't want children, but we looked at each other and said we need to pray for them to adopt. Out huh. of the blue. Wow. The second person we called said that she had a vision that day while we were at this meeting um, that um, of children and us, a child and us actually. And we're like, oh, holy cow. This is, and then the third person I called was my friend, Tammy, who had that vision. I just said, hey, Tammy. And she said, so when are you going to bring her home was the first thing she said. And I Whoa. said, what are you talking about? And she goes, your baby girl from China. That was the phrase that was used constantly. And um, I was like, don't mess with me. And she's like, I knew nine months ago. And she said, she's beautiful. And the Lord just had me pray. There was there was wow. absolutely no question at that point. And so we did. That's we, three confirmations. That mm-hmm. is like significant. Immediately, within hours. Wow. And so wow. we um, and then we decided we couldn't talk about it anymore because we were wrecked. And so we were getting ready for bed. <laughs> Kurt was reading a devotional book by Max Lucado. And it talked about adventures with God. And... I finally we were calmed down, you know, we're getting ready for bed, and all of a sudden Kurt is in the other room just weeping. I'm like, What is going on? He's like, You've got to read this. And so, so Max Lucado basically says that you, you can you know, do two things in life. You can either build a fire in your hearth, in your home, and sit by it and stay warm, or you can build a fire in your heart and go out, take it with you, and go on an adventure with God. So we've always signed up for the adventure. It hasn't always been easy. It's a little bit like Lord of the Rings, <laughs> where there's like big scary stuff coming at you. You got to swing at it with swords and stuff. Yeah. Always, you know. Okay, I'm geeking out on. No, that no, stuff. that's I love that stuff. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where are you going with that? <laughs> I have to view it that way, or else it will drive you crazy. I have to romanticize it somehow. Um, but look, that's, that's, we live in a, uh, I have a friend of mine that says we live in a epic, uh, battle set. We live, we live in the greatest love story set in the, in the midst of the worst epic battle, meaning that God is pursuing us and we're pursuing God, but it's in the context of warfare or war. Right. Absolutely, yeah, and and that's it. But and it went saying, on to say. It went on to say. So go ahead, build a fire in your heart, and go on an adventure with God. Go ahead, and you know he's first he, thing. he's well. The first thing he said is, go ahead and adopt the child. Go ahead, and then all these other things that you can do that are big risks <laughs> in life. I'm like, oh. <laughs> wow! So that night, we actually said, okay, 
And I think we wrote the check out we did. to America World Adoptions right then and there. And um, it was for what? $150. $150. So that just kind of uh, started us on this path of um, we've got to raise money. We're not sure how this is going to work. We had an assurance that the Lord said that he was going to take care of it. But does that mean he's just going to hand the money over or we're going to work and do fundraising and he's going to work through that, you know, it's just yeah. all those things. And we, we did a series of fundraisers that were just a mess. Like we didn't make any money yeah. and we kept feeling like God said, stop. We were like, what do you mean? Stop. You know? So when we started this journey, um, it was an 18 month wait after you turn in your paperwork. So six months of paperwork wow. and 18 months. So within two years, you're looking at all this. Um, that's a long what time happened? to wait. That is. But what happened was there was a slowdown that happened in China in giving referrals, which is your child. And um, so what was a two-year process turned into a five-year process. It currently is an eight-year process if you're getting Holy a healthy. Holy Yeah. Um, so it's just gradually slowed and slowed down. Now, um, if you've got ch- children with medical or special needs, it can be shorter but for the most part, it's at least a seven to eight year wait for China and mm-hmm. a lot of other international countries, unfortunately. However, at this time, we did not know that it was going to do that, which if I'm going to be honest, I think it took that long for God to prepare me and, and get me to a point of, of, as I was so busy doing the busy work of the administrative and the paperwork, the paperwork process is intense. Um, and then you have the weight. Yeah. And so there's, there's just so much that you can do. And then you, you, so I was really in the administrative process of things. And I, I, I just see where God was just preparing my heart along the way. Mm. We got connected with a lot of other families who were adopting and joining an adoption group, which was really good. Um, but in the beginning of this whole process, I was given a verse and it was Isaiah 26, 11. And I felt like that verse was um, for Kurt and I and, and our daughter. Um, and, um, but it was calling a bird to pray from the east, the man who executes my counsel from a far country. Indeed, I purposed it. I will do it. I've called it. I will complete it. And I felt like we were the bird to pray going to get our daughter. But from the east did not quite uh, match because she would be from the east. But I prayed that every single day. I just knew Mm -hmm. that that was a verse over this whole process. Um, And also the Lord gave us a theme, if you would say, for our adoption process. And um, it was born to belong. And we felt like the Lord was saying that we're all born to belong first to Him. And no matter where a child is born into, uh, either through adoption or through birth and, and into a family, uh, biological family, they're still born to belong to God first. Mm-hmm. And um, so so born to belong kind of came our our theme, I guess, as we were going through this process. I got the t-shirt. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you do have a t-shirt, don't you? I do. Yeah. The born to belong is one of my favorites. <laughs> it's a cool t-shirt. It is. We, I'm, a, I, I'm in a group now with uh, Oki. And oh. and they're involved with Born to Belong or overseeing it and and yeah. uh, that's really neat. I didn't know that. That's that's cool. That is. I didn't know it was came from that. 
either. It, it did. And so when we started the adoption ministry at um, the church that you attend, um, that that's where the, 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 the name came from. So it's neat that it's kind of carried on yeah, into it in that way. That's um, cool. Yeah. So how, so how um, wow, that's a long... So we knew you guys... Well, through that time, right? And uh, or maybe not in Arizona, but obviously when you were in North Carolina. And what, um, I mean, you're doing, you're going through the paperwork, you're failing at fundraising. Now what? You know, like where, where what's, what's, what else is going on? <clears throat> yeah, that's, that's another fun part. Money just started coming in Literally. from different people all over the place. And, um, you know, we had, we had one, friend of ours who I, we didn't know her really really well but we used to go to church with her back at Hope Chapel back in the early 2000s and she knew we were adopting and, and she was a school teacher um, but somehow she got like a really big tax return that year or whatever and she just mailed us a check for like I mean three or four thousand dollars like just you know just, again she was like a young 20s you know, school teacher, not making a whole lot. And she's like, Lord, put it on my heart to give this to you guys. And um, money just started coming in like wow. that. And and it was incredible. And the best part about it was there was some creative, uh, the Lord's creative uh, fundraising opportunities for, for people yeah. um, that, that I was the victim of. And I, so what ended up, I ended up taking one for the team um, in 2008. <laughs> <laughs> Where is this story going? Wait. <laughs> you ended up. I'm setting it up fantastic. Okay. In 2008, um, we needed to get a we needed to get a, a new vehicle, so we bought a truck, a brand new Chevy, uh, full size Silverado, you know, and it was great, and um, we had it for <laughs> three weeks, and the whole thing was almost completely totaled. I was driving it to work one day, and some guy made a very bad choice, and he was in a Ford F three fifty Super Duty, <laughs> and he ended up taking out like three cars in front of me, and I was the last one. And this this beautiful brand new truck, it only had like seven hundred miles on it, ends up getting smashed right in the right in the driver's uh, front wheel there, pushes me off the road, and then it gets sliced through a uh, fire hydrant, you know. And, it's not like in the in the movies and the cartoons where they, they hit a fire hydrant and the and the water spouts up. That doesn't happen. <laughs> the, the fire hydrant slices through your vehicle and cuts it like like butter, like a knife through butter. You know, so it was pretty gruesome. Um, anyways, I ended up I ended up uh, going into physical therapy for that because my back got pretty injured. But what ended up happening was. The exact amount that we had left. Oh, for the uh, for the adoption. For the adoption, it was around. It was twelve thousand five hundred. We didn't know where the money was going to come from. Yeah. And what? And that's, ended up and that's having, a not a small chunk of change there. It's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, and it what, is. And what ended up happening was when we settled with the insurance company a year later. And it was literally Troy. It was it was like a couple of weeks before we were going to need that money. Before it was due, um, we settled, and the check that we got was twelve thousand five hundred, right to the penny, exactly what we needed to finish the adoption out. Wow, and that is creative fundraising. And <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. 
But when I was walking down the road to where the accident was, um, I, I clearly heard the Lord said, um, of course, I wasn't thinking about adoption this time. I was just wanting to see Kurt. I heard the Lord said, this is how I'm going to pay for your adoption. I was like, okay, what do you mean by that? And then sure enough, that yeah. Yeah. Kurt. Husband's but, getting, getting into the emergency room. <laughs> yeah. Funny. I shouldn't be laughing. No, you know, you know, it's okay to laugh because actually I was wishing the truck would have flipped at least twice so I could have gotten more money. I could have gotten a Disneyland or something. Too, on top of the adoption, but that didn't happen. So, So I remember um, in talking to you guys during that time, and I remember you guys, uh, this is my impression, you you were surprised by how long it was taking because you didn't think it would take that long, right? I think we were hanging out with you guys, doing dinners or whatever, right around the time it went from two years to a lot longer. And um, and it, and I remember you guys um, didn't give up. I mean, you just kept, you kept, I guess the Lord had given you enough kind of, even, but it's still hard. Right? It's hard to wait on the Lord. Well, and I, I think that the hard, again, I we were surrounded by other families um, in the process who were actually, um, who logged in the, the same date we did. And they were having a way, a really hard time. And I kept thinking, what's wrong with me? Because actually, I was okay with the wait. Um, because, again, I was still working up to the concept of wanting to do this. Yeah. I was... I was walking obediently yeah. and not really wanting to do it. And that sounds like a really harsh thing to say. Um, but if the Lord tells me to do something, I'll do it. And sometimes my feelings have to follow later. And that's where um, I, was, I wasn't I was softened to this. I was all about being obedient, but I, haven't, I was having a hard time understanding um, why we're doing this yeah. because, and then, but I was surrounded by other people that they longed to be mothers. They longed to be fathers and they, they just wanted this child. And, you know, and in one case in particular, oh my goodness, constantly, um, having a hard time. And I was always be talking to her and, you know, uh, being compassionate and whatnot. And sometimes then I find myself being frustrated because I was frustrated with myself. Why can't I be a little bit more like this? And, um, one day though, same scenario. And I was about ready to retort back my Joyce Myers response in, um, by email. And I was like, okay, I need to take time to pray and not type out any kind of that. So, um, clear as day, the Lord told me to tell her and was telling me, he said, you're just as much a parent now waiting than you will be when you have this child. Cause you already are. Because I'm training you on how to have greater faith in me because your child, for the rest of their life, are going to spend more time outside of your presence than in your presence. And now's the time of sure. faith that I'm going to take care of them regardless. Yeah. And when, when he said that to me, I'm like, that is profound. Because obviously that didn't come from me. Huh. And it really ministered to her. And it really ministered to me. Uh -huh. You know, this was a time of parenting. Truly, and um, to learn of learning, you know that concept. But beyond that, there was moments where the Lord just did amazing things um, through other people having words and visions. Mm -hmm. um, where 
because we were constantly questioned, well, why don't you adopt from Ethiopia? Because it only takes 18 months to do Ethiopia. Why don't you adopt from, you know, such, such, or why don't you just have a child of, quote, of your own? And, and we would always explain, this is really not about us having a child in our, and having a child. This is about having the child the Lord has already destined to be our child. Yes. He's already called her out. And so we are going to, we, we will walk through this process because we believe that child is in China. And, um, so that was kind of, um, that was very, but he affirmed that over and over again through his word, through other people. We had, um, one lady I worked with who'd never been to my house, never seen pictures of my house, never even met Kurt. We, we vaguely knew each other at work and um, she had been praying notes to me that the Holy Spirit, she would have gifts of the Holy Spirit, <laughs> and God answered. Um, and she said she woke woke up from one night, and her eyes were swollen shut, and she couldn't figure out what was the problem. And later on, like an hour after she got up, she realized what happened. She had She was crying so profusely in a dream that she had. And she was compelled to write it out verbatim. And the dream had to do with her coming to my house with, um, as she goes, it wasn't a human presence. She said it was a spirit who was with me um, that walked me in your house. And she started talking about our house verbatim. Walking in the door, walking wow. in the back porch, taking a right down a very, very wide, large hallway oh, with that. many rooms, and seeing a sofa in a corner by a huge picture window that has stripes, and then being out on a porch with five pillars. And meanwhile, wow. she's telling me this. I'm nodding my head, going yes. And then she realizing she's realizing that this just is an allegorical home. This was really. Our home, and we actually have the. We she wrote it. We asked if she would write it down, and she emailed it to us because. So it's like it's actually in writing. Wow! And it, it it was an exact. She was in our house. It literally. It was amazing. She was talking about decorations on the wall. Holy and, cow! Yeah, mm-hmm. and then in that dream, in that dream though, she saw us sitting on the sofa with our baby, and this is before Sadie came, um, and above. She she said some very poignant things about Kurt. There's no she described Kurt in a way that I don't think I could even verbalize. That was such a truth. That was amazing. Um, and then at one point though, she goes, "There was ruggedly handsome, that kind of stuff." <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, John Wayne. She brought this. Very appropriate. I'm oh, sorry, okay. I couldn't, I couldn't resist. No, I'm, glad, I'm glad you did. I feel a lot better right now. Go ahead. But above, above her was the name Grace. And she said, I don't know if you named her yet or not or what that means. And we knew that that was her middle name. Um, but she also said, now, if I went in this other door, would I? if I go straight, go to your kitchen? I'm like, yeah. She goes, oh, I love what you did. With I mean, she just started, she and I just started talking. And so at one point I said, you don't need to come to my ho- our house before you take off because they were moving. She's like, she started laughing. She goes, I've already been to your house. <laughs> I said, you, you have. <laughs> You're it, like, it was, yep, it was, yep, yep, you have actually. <laughs> exactly. It was amazing. But it was just. Now you said that banner over her, you said there was a banner and it said, what did it say Grace. again? Grace. Grace. And again, at Max Cato, we were, I was reading a a devotion as we were contemplating her middle name and we tucked away grace. Um, and 
the the title of the devotion was call it grace and and I was like oh my gosh it was just one of those things where wow. kind of came back around um but her um we knew her name was Sadie as one day Kurt was praying and the name instead of baby Sadie came out and um we just felt like that was her first name um, but the names have always been significant because, um, going back to the verse that we, yeah, this is, yeah, about. you were saying something about this. This is good. Uh, we, um, when, when it was time that we got our referrals after about five years, um, of course that's a day that you'll never forget because you wait for that phone call and, and that picture we get it. And, um, I sent that picture of Sadie on to, now her picture, what picture that we got, you wouldn't have been able to tell she was Chinese initially, honestly, if you just looked at it. And that was kind of significant because when I sent that to Tammy, who had the vision of her, she calls me, just couldn't even talk. And she said, Serena, that's the exact same child that the Lord gave me a picture of six years ago. Yeah. So she would have not have been born. She was not even conceived or born. This was six years before we got her. So Uh I just want to say that scripture that says in Jeremiah 1, I think, before you were, I formed you in your mother's womb, and before you were born, I knew you. Wow. That is true. It's totally true. (laughs) Absolutely true. That is your proof right there, yeah. And she also said, she goes, I didn't even know she was Chinese unless the, the Lord told me. A baby girl from China. Because of the way she looked. Right. And, and when we saw the picture, you might not have known she was Chinese from the picture. It could have been Hispanic or any, actually any other ethnicity. Um, you wouldn't have said, yes, she looks Chinese. Mm-hmm. And so that was very interesting, too, because she said, I, I didn't tell you that, but she said, I didn't know she was Chinese unless the Lord told me the baby girl from China. Um, and so that was a very interesting fact. But we had a, a, one of the gals who were adopting, um, it was her brother that spoke fluent Mandarin, and we asked him, because we wanted to know if the mom, sometimes the Chinese mothers will pin their name on them before they give them up. Um, and in China, you it's illegal to give up your children, so you have to abandon them um, mm. in public places. So, um, Which is also illegal. Which is also illegal. So you have Catch-22 is all the way around. Yeah. yeah. So she, um, so none of the girls in our group that you go over in families, um, uh, there was nine families who went together and we got to know, um, on our journey to China to get our daughters, but, um, none of them had names, uh, from their birth moms. So the orphanage just randomly go down a list of names. And so we wanted to know what their Chinese names were and all the children in China, you put your last name first then your middle name, and then your first name, basically. And um, everyone had the name Yi as a last name, Zhao, which meant daybreak. And um, the first child that he translated was uh, a single mom who wanted to name her baby girl China, or baby girl Willow, but none of her family liked that name, and she was kind of torn. And I can't remember the Chinese name, but it means her name meant daybreak Willow. The second child that he translated happened to be he and his sisters. Um, well, his sister was adopting this girl. And their mother passed away when they were in high school, college. 
And But she always collected tea sets because she always said she wanted to do tea with her grandchildren, whom she never got to meet because she passed away. Mm. Um, and um, so their um, child, or my or friend's child, his niece, um, name was Yi Zhao Sheng, or Yi Zhao Shai, which means daybreak tea. Oh. And then when he got to Sadie, um, Yi Zhao Sheng, he said, this name is completely different from the rest. It's actually a beautiful word picture, and that's been kind of affirmed over and over again by other Chinese who love her name. Um, he said, what it is, is a picture, and it's a, a moving word picture, and what it is, is a bird circling, then taking off with purpose. And then you go back to Isaiah 26, in 11, the in, yeah, in the morning, daybreak. And then, so if you go back to the verse the Lord mm. gave me five years earlier, calling a bird of prey from the east, the man who executes my counsel from a far country, indeed I have spoken it, I will do it, I purposed it, and I will complete it. So she was the bird of prey that, the God, that God called out years before she was even conceived. Um, he knew who she was. And and you guys can't see this, but behind her is a little picture of a little bird <laughs> while we're talking to you guys. Yeah. So, uh, well, yeah, and that's, that's part of the reason why we got that. Yeah. Because um, that was done by a friend of ours' daughter who was making this beautiful, you know, wonderful artist, Katie Driver, right? Mm-hmm. Ryan and Shelley's daughter. Daughter, yeah. And mm-hmm. she was making these prints for... Um, for fundraisers for a Chinese adoption of her own. So it actually worked out very well. So So tell me tell me about um, tell me about the dream that you had, Kurt. You you had a dream as well during this time. Yeah, so it, it had to do with um, before we got her, it was uh, we were still in Arizona and we were probably three or four months into the process. And uh, one night I had this dream and um, it was very, very vivid, very clear. So it was Serena and I, and we were at the um, in my old hometown up in Connecticut, and uh, we were at a grocery store called Fitzgerald's, and, and so that was, that was where we went to the grocery. So, and here we were with our, our grocery cart, and we had this little Chinese baby sitting in there, and we were leaving the grocery store with a bunch of groceries in there and our little baby sitting in there and and we were just both looking at her and just really enjoying her and in the dream that was really what what it was it was we were just really very very happy and just kind of ooing and aahing over her and then all of a sudden um this this booming voice comes out of nowhere and this was one of the only times I, i can tell you the lord has audibly spoke to me but it was loud and it was powerful and it was scary um scary, awesome all at the same time, you know? Yeah. Um, And it woke me up. I actually jumped up out of bed. Uh, It was so loud and so clear, and it it was like right there. But um, what he said was, as we were looking at at our daughter there in the dream, he said, her name will be Precious Waitress of the Lord. And when he said waitress, you know, like I was telling you before, it wasn't, it wasn't like a waitress, you know, um, serving you your your, your dinner at uh, you know Charlie's or something like that. It was the the word was used specifically uh, to be very very eloquent. 
so it was an eloquent, beautiful way of saying servant. Mm. But saying servant was a wait, wait, waitress. A very, um, I think the Lord was kind of showing to me, in my mind, is showing his heart towards her and how he viewed her. So again, we before that. before she was even born, before she was born, wow. that's right. And so we just we've held on to that and, and we've spoken that out over her and told her about that. But we, by no, um, that's what that's the calling on her life, you know, yeah. to be a, a servant. That is so beautiful. So so how how old is Sadie now? She is eight years old now. Mm-hmm. And uh, wow. she is full of energy and full of life. She's mm-hmm. very, she's very, very, uh, she, she's a joyful kid that a lot of everyone, uh, you know, just absolutely loves. Um, you know, at home, she's she's a spitfire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, well, like, like, like most kids, they, they save it to their parents, right? I mean, yeah. So, um, but she's a lot of fun. She's has an amazing sense of humor and um, very detail oriented and just a lot of fun. That's we, awesome. we saw in so many ways where, um, you know, sometimes you can know too much because I worked with couples and adoption and I worked in pre-placements and post-placements and I, I know the struggles that can be with children um, and issues that can come from adoption um, because of institutionalized care and, you know, and different mm-hmm. things. And, um, and it's, it's, it's just been amazing uh, I just remember one day I was really praying because usually there's a grieving period. Sadie um, was only in the orphanage from birth until six days old, and then she was in a foster home. And um, and she was consistently in that foster home, and it was a good placement. Um, we could tell the way she was cared for and loved on. Um, and usually, though, what can happen is that grieving period. A child, you know, it's kind of like you just knock on somebody's door and say, here, can you give me your one-year-old? Yeah. That's what happened, you know. Um, And so I just prayed and prayed constantly that she would, you know, that that would be healed within her so she wouldn't have that grief. And and I remember I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. And finally, after about the first week or so, and there wasn't any of that, I felt like the Lord just told me, he goes, didn't you ask for this? You know, because there was something that, and it was true, we never hit that, we never hit that, that grieving. And the day that we brought her home, I'll never forget, we set her down in front of some toys and some, you know, some things in her room. And I'll never forget, she just sat there and just looking at everything. And then she just turned around and looked at us. And I'll never forget the look on her face. It was like, I'm home. It, there was no way to explain it but that. And, um... And also, too, I, I, we might have an opportunity to meet her foster mom, which we hope we do someday. Um, Sadie wants to go back to China and, and see it as, and remember it. Yeah. Uh, we want to take her back. And there, if there's an opportunity to meet the foster home, mom, we would definitely do that. Um, and, and I believe that my prayer, too, always was that the Lord would make himself known to her in some way. And I kid you not, um, he did, because whenever... It was either through the foster mom or through him just making himself known. Because I would change her diaper and i say, Mama loves you. And she'd kind of smile. Baba loves you, which is Chinese for daddy, which she still calls Kurt Baba. Um, and then I'd say, Jesus loves you. And she would go crazy. Like crazy. Wow. And it would happen all the time. 
And so I know that there was a part of her that the Lord did answer those prayers and touch her, and she knew who she was. And even at three, she'd tell me, I remember tucking her in one time, and she said, you know, Jesus comes and and stays by my bed until I go to sleep. I said, he does. And she's like, yeah. He calls me by my name. Yeah. Yeah. And she would describe what he looked like, and she would be very specific. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I know children can be more sensitive in those areas, too. Yeah. But I believe, obviously, it's real. And But I see all that to say is I believe that God answered every prayer, yeah. <laughs> you know, of it. Now, that's not to say we don't have some struggles. Um, whether a child's adopted at birth or adopted at 10, there's abandonment issues. They know when that's not their birth mom. They're taken from their birth mom. And we still, at times, still deal with that. If we don't... Um, let her know that we're stepping outside and, and she somehow can't find us. Um, she will come outside in a complete sheer terror panic. Yeah. Uh, so there is still that wound of abandonment that's there. And, um, and you think, gosh, after eight years, you know, yeah. um, but it's still there. And I, but that to me is just a testament how God has designed all of us to have that bond with our parents, our mothers, and fathers, you know, yeah. it's still there. And um, and that's something I, I believe will get better, hopefully, over time. Um, but there's, you know, kids are adopted no matter the best of circumstances. It's, it, you know, there still are wounds there. But I know without a doubt that this was not plan B for Sadie. God obviously planned for her to be our daughter yeah. And mm-hmm. orchestrated things in miraculous ways through finances and life. He even made a way for me to work from home and have a work schedule yeah. that allowed me to stay home with, with her. Yeah, and, I remember that. And that was like, it That's was awesome. incredible how he answered those prayers as well. And um, so he's big enough to orchestrate everything in our lives. And even children who aren't even born yet. I believe that there's a plan and a family for each one of those children. It's just that not everyone is sensitive or wanting to step up to what he wants. I believe there's a home for every one of those children. This, this was plan A for her. And, um, and you know, and God in the last, uh, four or five months before we went to get her, he really did a work on my heart. He, you know, he really melted my heart towards this whole parenting thing. And um, <laughs> and also understanding that, you know, I, I express it in a different way, and that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. my, my yeah. attachment to her is, is a little different. Um, but it's it's been, it's in a journey that doesn't end at China. You know, it's a, yeah, it's a no. lifetime journey. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad you guys got a, got came on and was able to hear that story again. And I know the people that are listening are going to be so grateful to know that, that God cares that much about the one, you know, and being born, everyone is born to belong. That's so true. So, so thanks for coming on, guys. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hey, we're just getting started out, so any help you can provide to share it with your friends would be great. Uh, we just kicked off a Facebook page, uh, the Kindling Fire podcast. And uh, just any episodes that you like, uh, share it with your friends. And um, 
If you'd like to reach out to us, you can reach us at thekindlingfire at gmail.com. Uh, or if you'd like any more information about myself or some of the things that I write, you can go to troyandkathy.com. And I say I'm very self-conscious about saying so because I say so in all the shows. So, 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 so. All right. So, Jesus, help me. <laughs> that was awesome. That was. You didn't it kind of makes it. me happy that you're saying so, so much. So. When you do that kind of thing.